We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome into the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast presented by BetMGM. You can use our promo code BetRoto. You can get a risk-free first bet with that promo code over at BetMGM. You can use the BetMGM app. You can bet on BetMGM.com. That code again is BetRoto, B-E-T-R-O-T-O. I am Nick Whalen. I am joined as always uh, by John McKechnie. John, this is the highlight of my week. Every week, uh, even when we're we're struggling, you know, as has been the case the last couple of weeks, we've had some rough ones. But I'm confident that we will bounce back here in week 13. Although it's a tough slate, it's a tough slate every week. But this one, John, an especially difficult slate. Yeah, it's it's really hard to parse out. Um, you know, and uh, you you were referencing at the top the BetMGM app. You know, I was on there all last week uh, in Maryland, boots on the yep. ground, man on the scene, and boy. What a slick application that is. Uh, so I, I was having a blast all weekend, all day Thanksgiving, uh, live betting, like just go, just d- d- go dabbling, dabbling in the World Cup a little bit. Why not? Yeah. Uh, Sunday w- was a blast other than like my real team stuff. Uh, I, I suppose we, we could probably uh, break the ice on that at some point as well. Oh, yeah. But don't worry. Uh, about it. We'll get into that game. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, no, it's uh it's a it's a slick application they got over there. Gotta love it. Yeah, I'm picturing you kind of under the Thanksgiving table, you know, locking in some bets between games. Um, you know, I'm I'm here in Wisconsin. It's a little bit more difficult. Uh, you know, as I've said a number of times on this pod, you just make a quick trip down to Illinois, lock some things in. We're good for the week. Uh, hopefully, Wisconsin will follow suit with Maryland uh, at some point. But you're now back in Georgia. I'm up here uh, in Wisconsin. It is dark. It is cold. Uh, my day got off to a really rough start, John. And of course, we won't spend too much time on this, but I went to the gym this morning, uh, at which point, uh, as I was walking in, my phone died and I realized I did not charge it at all no. overnight. Just a brutal feeling. I got one of those like pad chargers, so it must have just been uh, repositioned. So I'm, I'm panicking. You know, I had, to, I, did, I had to work out for a full hour with no podcast, no music. I kept my AirPods in just to give the, you know, give the uh, appearance that I was listening to something. Yeah. You don't want to look like a crazy person. Exactly. Exactly. I I wouldn't wish it upon anybody though. It was, it was brutal. I had a terrible workout. No, I can't imagine not having the power of uh, early two thousands rock, like at my side. Like if I, I, 
if I'm in there and I don't have uh, Godsmack at the ready, or if I don't have so, some Every Time I Die, Little circa 2012, yeah, some tw- some tool uh, stuff that that you lift heavy objects and put them down with, uh, you know, that ju- that just impacts everything. So you know, d- despite the the light lift for you this morning, you know, I, I think that this this will uh, bring you the power. And we we got a a commenter. Uh, regular uh commenter on on the show with mario and i asking why i'm wearing my grandmother's sweater uh it is a christmas sweater it is the season uh got the utz natural uh the the original heat yeah the original utz potato chip uh no free ads they say but uh i'll give a free ad to my favorite potato chip brand yeah, John's grandma being mentioned in the first four minutes of the pod. I think that cash is at about 20 to 1. So anybody who had that, congratulations. You're off to a hot start. Uh, all right, John, let's uh, let's get right into it. Uh, what we, let's talk some Ravens-Jags from last week real quickly. And you know, as we like to do, we, we like to look ahead. We don't, we don't like to look back too much. Uh, you had the Ravens locked up. I think they closed at, at what, minus 4? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe 3.5 for that game. I was with you. Uh, I did not bet that game. Uh, you know, it, it Just kind of out of solidarity with the Jags. I remain shocked. Uh, at what happened uh, last week in Jacksonville, the Jags have been in those type of situations so many times where you know they they give up the crushing touchdown after that long play to Deshaun Jackson, of course, who, who does what he does once or twice per year, uh, ripping off that long play. You think here we go again. The Jags defense just cannot get that stop. Almost never are they able to drive the length of the field and not only score the touchdown but go for two and get it to win the game. And look, man, I've had to do a complete one eighty on Trevor Lawrence, who I, I think that was the best game of his career and easily the best quarter of his career in that fourth quarter. Yeah, he, you know, we, we've known about this guy since he was like a junior at Cartersville High School in Georgia. Like he he's like a living legend, basically, in, in that respect. Goes to Clemson, wins the natty, like wipes Alabama off the face of the earth, basically, as a true freshman, uh, continues to amaze and dazzle through the rest of his college career. Gets saddled with with walking into the Urban Meyer Jaguars era, you know, did not love that. That that certainly adds that that's that's playing on expert mode, no question about it. That's it's playing on all Madden, but the tools have always been there. It's just the matter of you know the the rest of the team around him. But now we know for certain that he can make Zay Jones a thing, you know, like and, and he's made Christian Kirk way better. Uh, than pretty much anyone could have anticipated. I know that that move got panned because of the money, but I think Christian Kirk's a good player, and they're using him right, and and he's getting Kirk to to work effectively. Um, you know, they they win that game without any help from uh, Travis Etienne in the run game. Uh, you know, it was just it was all on Trevor, and he rose to the occasion, and and you know, shredded up this defense that that had been playing a lot better over the last month or two, like kind of, you know, when we were talking about the game, it was like, okay, the defense has kind of put those early meltdown issues to bed. Wrong, wrong. Mm. Yeah, the Ravens have blown, what, at least a nine-point lead in all four losses this season. Uh, this actually broke the streak of blowing a double-digit lead mm-hmm. in every loss. So you know, maybe a step in the right direction for that Baltimore defense. Uh, like I said, I, I didn't bet this game straight up, but I did have it involved uh, in my parlay of the week. So, you know, the, the Ravens had a hand in sinking that one. Uh, that was Ravens, 49ers, and Seahawks money lines. Seahawks, man, not winning that game against the Raiders. So we'll get into that uh, in a little bit. But, uh, you know, looking forward to getting back with the parlays. You know, we, we got the underdog parlays of the week coming up later. We got the parlays of the week. We got the seven point teaser of the week. We are red hot on the teasers. I'll say that. So, if nothing else, 
uh, we could fall back on the fact that we are a successful teaser podcast. Yeah, uh, and you know you're doing a lot of the heavy lifting on on that particular facet of it. I, I've I've not really dabbled in the teaser game a whole lot, but uh, you you've got an eye for it. It's clear. Yeah, I, I sure do. Uh, Nick Teaser Whalen is back at it again here in week 13. <laughs> but uh, John, let's start firing through these games. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do our usual exercise, which lines are a little too high and a little too low. And I'm going to start out right here. You know, we're looking at BetMGM, of course. The Jaguars, uh, they are now one-point dogs. Uh, that line has moved quite a bit. It shifted two points in the last 24 hours. Uh, the Jags were one-point favorites most of the week here. And to me, that was not correct. I, I, I'm glad that it swung back the other way, but I still feel like these are two very equal teams. I, I think Detroit is seemingly being punished for losing that game to Buffalo, uh, although I, I think that's a still a very good Bills team. That's a game that they should have won. And the Jaguars, in many ways, were very, very lucky to beat the Baltimore Ravens, as we laid out. That is not something that the Jaguars can be counted on to do, to, to convert those late drives the way that they did. So to me, even though the Jags are now back to being one-point dogs, I still think this could be Detroit two, maybe even the standard two and a half. Yeah, th- this one's really tricky because it, it it all boils down to how much you believe last week's result from Jacksonville and, and whether they can carry that over to this week. We, we know the, the Detroit defense isn't getting fixed this season, really. Um, so it really comes down to can Trevor Lawrence and company take advantage of it? Can Travis Etienne get back out there? Hopefully he can. Although Michael Hasty, I mean, it was good pass catcher out of the backfield last week. They got, no they got qu- Darrell Henderson too, if they want, you know, that he was, yeah. he was inactive last week. So they, they do have options, but um, and we should say ETN limited on Wednesday, limited again on Thursday. I'm getting the feeling that he's going to play. I just don't know if he's going to be a hundred percent. Right. They, they kept showing him on the sidelines dur- during the broadcast last week. And it was very frustrating. They're like, he might, he might, but you know, he, he was he never had his helmet. Return. Right. Yeah. I, you know, it was, just strange situation, but regardless, you know, on on the on the Detroit side, how they attack this defense, I think it is a fairly attackable defense. I think that that's why we see the total checking in as high as it is. Um, I'm going to stick to my gut here, though, and I, I'm going to kind of double down in, in the belief that Trevor Lawrence is here and he's here to mm. stay. And I, I think that this is this just kind of is a continuation of last week. I think they carry over the fourth quarter success from last week, and I mean. This clearly could be that letdown spot. You, you can't really, really trust the Jaguars to carry it yet. But th- this is me betting that they buck the trend and they go ahead and string a couple of wins together here. Um, so I, I do like uh, Jacksonville even still. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Uh, you know, for me, it's, it's it, there's always kind of the emotional hedge. Like I have to factor that in when I make my line for this game. Um, that I just never trust the Jaguars. Like they would have to string together probably 20 straight wins uh, for me to really be like, all right, I, I think we might be able to trust this team now. Uh, and, you know, Detroit, they seem to have found something, right? I mean, the, these three games, even before Thanksgiving Day, you know, they, they beat Green Bay, Chicago, and the New York Giants in back to back to back weeks. You know, none of those are, are overly strong opponents, but, um, you know, I think this was a one in six team, you know, after that loss to Miami in week eight. And I think we had kind of left them for dead at that point. And they at least have turned a corner and this defense, you're right. It's beyond repair. I think for this year, um, they've just been a, a devastating defense, uh, really the entire season, but it seems to have, it's gotten incrementally better, right? Like I, again, I thought they were the better team for 90 to 95% of that game against the Buffalo bills. So I, I don't know. I, I think there's maybe the final result of that game seems like it has too much of an influence on this line for me. Uh, what are some lines that stand out to you as a little too high? 
Um, as far as the, the lines that are too high are concerned, I, I felt like the Ravens, I, I think that, you know, not to not to belabor all the points on, on our two teams here, but I just don't trust the Ravens with that big of a line. Um, I know it's the Broncos, so that's like the ultimate, you know, like t- test of, of that statement. Uh, but the, the Broncos, they have a good defense. This is going to be a low scoring game. The Ravens just don't seem to be able to get out of their own way on offense. I, I saw a great uh, tweet from Jonas Schaefer covers the, the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun um, with, with this graph. Uh, most snaps taken with three seconds or less on the play <laughs> on, on the play clock. And the Ravens are just lapping the field oh, yeah. with that. So I don't know if it's a Roman issue. I don't know if it's a Lamar issue. I don't know if it I don't know what it is exactly, but that's inexcusable. Like that, there's something to be said for if, if you want to be the team that, that's bleeding the clock down, but they're doing that in the first quarter, they're getting delays of game. Like it's so maddening to watch. Uh, So they can't get get out of their own way. And the Denver defense is tough. So I think that this is a low scoring slog. I don't think the Ravens lose here. I don't think, but I, I I have a very hard time seeing them winning this one comfortably with with the two scores that, that would be required uh, for for them to cover that this eight and a half number. So I'm out on the Ravens at, at that. Um, I'm worried about the Seahawks a little bit um, just because they're a little bit volatile. Maybe I'm a little bit shook from that Raiders game. And again, right. I mean, that was insane. And then, you know, on the other side of it, you know, similar to what I was saying about the Broncos where it's like, okay, you can make this statement about their opponent, but we're still talking about team X and, and with the Rams, you know, they're, they're toast. They're beyond toast. Um, I put the uh, Simpsons clip uh, in my article uh, where Homer's like that they suck. They're the suckiest bunch of sucks that have ever sucked. Like that, that is how I feel about the Rams, but um, you know, the, the Seahawks, maybe Gino may, does he have his first like truly like bad game of the season this year? Um, I think just wit- betting them for, for more than a touchdown feels a little bit icky. I'm going to do it, but it just feels yeah. a little bit high. And then, and then I felt like the Steelers uh, should not be road favorites as well. That, that was my Ooh. other one. I know that there, there's kind of like some, some differing at sports books who, who can't be named. They, they have it flipped. So it, it, right. that one is kind of busting my brain as well. Yeah. Over at BetMGM, Steelers have been holding steady for most of the week as minus one uh, on the road. I actually like the Steelers in that game. I, w- I would prefer that it be flipped for value purposes. Uh, you know, I, I locked up the Steelers in, in staff picks this week. Uh, I'm not quite sure how, who I'll be locking up on this pod yet. Uh, I want to talk through some things with you uh, before I lock anything in. It's been dangerous, you know, kind of pre-locking these the last couple of weeks. So I'm trying to take a slightly different approach here. But I, I think Kenny Pickett has made some strides. I still don't think he's, you know, anything better than like the 20th best quarterback in the league in any given week. But I thought he he looked like the better quarterback compared to Matt Ryan on Monday Night Football. That is a very low bar, I understand. Um, but he was efficient. That uh, They're using him on design runs a little bit more. He had two uh, you know, within the red zone that I really liked. Um, you know, that that's part of the strength that you get with Kenny Pickett and he has great chemistry with Pat Fryermuth. He's developing great chemistry with George Pickens. I, I thought that, you know, that game was probably a little bit closer than it should have been. Like if the Colts don't have that kick return coming out of the second half, um, you know, I, I think that was a game that it looked like Pittsburgh was maybe poised to run away with. And I, I know a lot of the metrics don't love the Steelers. I mean, offensively, that's totally legit defensively. It's like, I just don't think you can judge this team with all the injuries, especially to TJ Watt. And TJ Watt didn't even do that much against the Colts. But uh, I, I think when he's back, this is a completely different defense. They play a completely different style. 
and you, you just have that that Mike Tomlin infrastructure. And look, I, I know the Falcons played a competitive game against the Commanders. They probably should have won that game, you know, if not for that late interception. But you know, if you just look at it as Steelers defense versus Marcus Mariota, I don't really care about the location of the game. That that is the the side of the matchup I want to be on. So yeah, I I I was fortunate enough to watch that Monday night game mm. on the airplane. I was I was really having a time watching Matt Ryan warm up with the with the plyo balls and everything, trying to get the obliques loose for his just abysmal performance where they had what like no yards in the first quarter or something like that. Um, good good stuff, Matty Ice. But um, let's see where where was I going with that? But um, you know, as far as that, they they said on the broadcast that the Steelers. Uh, represented 43% of the of the crowd in Indianapolis. It could be higher this week in in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Atlanta's a very um it, the, the doors are open. You're you're welcome to come on down here if you're if you're a Steelers fan. I, I fear so like uh, this this could be like 50-50 or maybe even slightly uh majority in favor of the Steelers. So it could legitimately feel like something close to to a home game. Uh, for Pittsburgh, so yeah, home home field for the for the Falcons in this one completely uh, out the window. Um, and yeah, to to your point, I mean, TJ Watt maybe didn't uh, wreck things last week, but he did look good against the Bengals. I I thought so. Like I, I'm not I'm not doubting that that he can like turn in one of those game wrecker type yeah. performances against a bad offensive line. It's all I mean, it's all making sense. Basically, the the rationale to me for for the Falcons is just turning Kenny Pickett over essentially. But I think, you know, your points well, well taken where, where Pickett looks like maybe the ceiling's not super high, but maybe you can't really count on him to screw the game up for them as much as you could earlier this year. One major thing we're watching on the Pittsburgh side, Najee Harris has not practiced in back-to-back days. So we'll see. I mean, they haven't ruled him out. It sounds like that oblique injury is not quite as severe as it, it may have first uh, appeared, but he could still miss a game or two in the short term. You know, Benny Snell also on the injury report, but they do have Jalen Warren back this week. That is huge. I actually thought both Snell and McFarland ran pretty well uh, in the second half of that game. And even before Harris went out, they were uh, doing a good job kind of getting both of those secondary backs involved. So it, it's certainly a drop off if you don't have Najee Harris, but it doesn't doesn't really change the overall calculus for me. I, I think, I like I said, I want that Steelers defense as the number one unit in that game. Uh, we'll get more into Seattle in a little bit. I, you know, they've the last two weeks have just been really rough for me as, as a, a true believer in the Seahawks. You know, they, they go to Germany, lay that egg against Tampa Bay, and then uh, allow the Raiders to, to rack up almost 600 yards of offense last week. But uh, I want to go to Commanders Giants real quickly. Should the Commanders be two and a half point favorites on the road here? Do we trust the Commanders in this spot? Because this is a decent amount of respect, even against a banged up Giants team. So I, I'm an interesting source to ask on this one because I might believe way too much in this commander's team uh it's not like they've been racking up impressive wins of late and like, like you alluded to that they, they really could have and probably should have uh lost to the falcons last week if not for that vintage marcus mariota moment there there at the goal line but i love taylor heineke and i also think that uh the giants that their descent back to earth you know when they were just getting way more than they should have been er- earlier in the season what were at one point, were they five and two or six and two? I mean, it was way over what they should have been, uh, you know, record wise. So, I think the Commanders can go up there and do it. Um, I think I, I've cited this interesting little uh, trend in in my article where I believe the Commanders are four and two against the spread on the road, 
and the Giants are four and two against the spread at home. So it's a you know unstoppable Great. force versus a immov- immovable object t- type of situation that we got yeah. going on here. But I give the edge at quarterback to to Taylor Heineke. I really do over Daniel Jones. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer in that. And you know we'll, we'll have to see what's up with Antonio Gibson. It seems like Brian Robinson can at least give them enough in the run game. And Terry McLaurin is going to be a big problem for that Giants secondary. And then, you know, as far as the the Giants go, they, they need Saquon Barkley to get going. I think that this uh, Washington run defense has really bowed up in recent weeks. And I, I feel like that if they slow him down, then they win this one. You know, I'm, t- I'm thinking, you know, anywhere between four to a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, that's how they've kind of been grinding them out. Like they, again, it felt like they should have lost last week and yet they still covered uh, in that game uh, against Atlanta. And we'll see if Chase Young ends up coming back. That would obviously be a boost to that defense. Um, if he does come back, I would imagine that the snap count would be fairly limited. Uh, but I mean, that that defensive front, you know, the, for, for Washington might be the best in the league. Uh, you know, with, with the commanders and the Giants, like neither of these teams really have a, a ton of impressive wins. You know, like the Giants beat Tennessee in week one, but it felt fluky at the time and kind of continues to look that way in retrospect. And, you know, meanwhile, the commanders have won six out of seven, the the win over the Eagles, that's the big one. But as we discussed at length on this pod at the time, multiple fumbles, everything was going Washington's way in the second half of that game. They, they tacked on the, the touchdown on the final play to make it look more lopsided than it was. The other wins in that span are Atlanta, Houston, Indy, Green Bay, and the Chicago bears. So it, it, you know, I, I still, I, I kind of think these teams are really equal. I, I think to me, this would be a pick them, but again, maybe it's the injuries on the Giants side that, that push you toward the commanders. Now that totally fair point, but, but I guess my, my sort of counterpoint is that a good team doesn't lose against those True. teams. So they, they've, they've been winning. Uh, so they, they haven't had the, those letdown moments. Uh, and, you know, I thought it was a big test for them to, to be able to go into Houston after that Eagles game and, and lead, you know, take yep. care of business as it were. Um, so I'm, there's something brewing there. Maybe I drank too much tap water when I was home in, in Montgomery County, Maryland last week, but, uh, I'm in, I'm in on this commander's okay. team right now. Well, I mean, I look, I'm with you. I'm, I'm taking the commanders. I, I just don't feel that great about it. I, I th- like I said, I think these are very equal teams. I think no result would really surprise me here. And, you know, you mentioned the Texans, the commanders took care of business against the Texans. The Giants technically did as well, but did not look great in that game. That's their only win in their last five weeks. They had a bye in there. They've looked outright bad, you know, against Dallas, Detroit, and Seattle uh, in those three losses. So, uh, you know, if nothing else, the Commanders at least are coming into this game with confidence. Whereas with the Giants, it feels like one more loss in this season, uh, which started so promising. They were seven and two at one point, six and one. Um, you know, it, it seems so promising. It seemed like they were coasting. Uh, toward a wild card berth, and you know these teams have kind of had opposite seasons. Uh, I feel like that when we get to week seventeen or eighteen, I think we're going to look at the Giants as this team that hot that started hot and faded, and we might look at the Commanders as a team that started one and five and has had the complete uh, flip flop as the Giants. Um, let's go to the other side of this lines that are a little too low. All right, too low. Let's see here. I think that well, th- this one is tricky. I, I want to say that the Chargers are too low, but. Time and time again, the Chargers just play down to their level of competition or up to it. You know that they always give the Chiefs a, a good run for their money, but they'll they'll turn around and barely squeak one out against the, the Cardinals. Who uh, I saw some crazy stat about their their home record over the last couple of years. I think they have like eight home wins combined over like exactly. the last three seasons or something. It's they just, went a calendar year without winning a home game. My lord, I mean that is just inexcusable. Um, so I, I feel like on paper. 
um, the, the Chargers should take care of business against this Raiders team. But I, I again, like I don't feel uber comfortable with it. And, you know, the lines are, are tough every week. This week has been particularly uh, difficult to, to sort out like the this one is screaming at me. And then this Eagles one, uh, it's moved so much over the over the course of this week to where, you know, it was six and a half. And now it's now we're looking at uh, Eagles minus four and a half. And I think that they're, you know, similar to uh, the commanders and the Giants. Like they, these are two teams that are that have been very good against the number where where these games are being played, where the, the Titans have been just total road warriors over the course of this entire season. The Eagles have been outside of that Washington game re- really tough uh, to to uh, take down at home. I, I mean, obviously, but but even against the number. So uh, I feel like there might for as much as I've just bang the drum for saying the Titans aren't getting enough respect. I do wonder if they're getting a little bit too much respect when it's four and a half. Well, if we know anything about the Titans, they're going to keep it close against just about everybody. And the anomaly, of course, is that week two blowout against Buffalo, where it felt like that game was over five minutes in. But mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, you, do you feel more confident about any team that like, you know, they, they go into Kansas City and go to overtime with Malik Willis at quarterback? You're like, they, I, I, I know this is going to be a close game. So I, you know, I'm, I'm fine with the line moving down uh, a little bit. And, you know, Philadelphia's looked a little bit shaky of late, you know, that defense like green Bay pile up 30 points, uh, you know, on Sunday night football this past week. But I, I still like the Eagles here. Like as much as I respect Tennessee, like at some point you ha- you have to actually win uh, a game against a, a good opponent, right? Like they're another one mm-hmm. of those teams that all of their wins this season have come against the Raiders, Colts, commanders, Colts, Texans, Broncos, and Packers. They do not have a high quality win right now. They have a bunch of quality losses. They might have more right. quality losses than any team. Um, so if you're talking just straight up picks, you know, like I, I like the Eagles here, but you could totally see this game playing out very similarly to last week against Cincinnati, where Cincinnati wins that game, but you know they only win it by four. So I, I think we're at kind of a dangerous number here with Philly. Yeah, we're 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 certainly there. I, I definitely get it. Um, and you know, on the on the Eagles side, if they're just able to slow down. Derrick Henry, and that looks like Jordan Davis might be back, so that that certainly helps, uh, you know, slow things down in the middle. If, if he doesn't get going, uh, you know, I'm not expecting Ryan Tannehill to do what he did to the Packers, which is kind of how that that game played out. Where yes, Derrick Henry was slowed, relatively speaking, but Tannehill threw for 330. Like I don't think that right. that other shoe drops in this spot if Derrick Henry gets slowed down. So, so as with any Titans game like that, that's, that's the start and end of the, of the conversation is just, you know, how does Derrick Henry do? I want to go back to Raiders chargers, which is just a, a just a, an upsetting matchup. Uh, if you're trying to bet this game, like the, I mean, the Raiders, <laughs> I, I tried so hard to leave them for dead. Uh, now here they are going full Lazarus these last two weeks um, over under for this game, sitting at around 50 and a half, 51, at uh, some unnamed books. It, it, I, I think it is going to be a high-scoring game. I, I think that's just kind of the type of games that the Raiders are going to play from here on out. This is a bad, bad defense. Uh, but the offense, you know, big play potential is there. It was certainly there last week. Uh, I, I think they took advantage of a, a Seattle defense that's been trending in the wrong direction these last couple of weeks. And well, we've had some major, major line movement over the last few days. We're seeing the Raiders now as one-point home favorites. They were two-and-a-half-point home dogs. John, as recently as two days ago. Wow. So, so right. So like when I was doing my column, like chargers favored narrowly, but favored. And yeah, now, now things have flipped around. So, 
wow, that that's um, I guess that makes me feel even stronger about the Chargers as queasy as that makes me feel it. And, you know, not to completely copy the the Titans game analysis, but, you know, if, if Josh, Josh Jacobs isn't cooking the way that he was a week ago, then, you know, I think the Chargers have a good shot here. But uh, I don't think that the Chargers defense has really shown an ability to stop the run in any mm-hmm. uh, sort of way that makes you think that Josh Jacobs is going to do anything less than like maybe a hundred yards. And that, that could end up being a problem, especially when Devonte Adams is playing as well as he is as well. You got, you got a complete offense that you have to contend with uh, if you're the chargers. So really I'm just kind of hanging my hopes on, on one Justin Herbert to, to just find a way and, and, you know, defeat mm-hmm. the the dumb decisions that, that Brandon Staley will make. That's how I feel. It's like, do I trust Derek Carr more or do I trust Justin Herbert more? I'm going to take Justin Herbert 10 out of 10 times in that matchup. And it's a shame that he plays for the Chargers because just by virtue of being associated with that franchise, it, it means that this game is going to be chaotic. Um, you know, I, I wrote in, in beating the book, which you could find over at rotowire.com that I, I expect this game to end on either like a blocked extra point return for a touchdown, uh, maybe like a an extra point that bounces off the crossbar, bounces all the way back 120 yards the other way and goes through the opposite goalpost. Uh, to give three points to the other team. I think that's how that would work. Like there will be major hijinks in this game. No matter what, like no matter what side you're on, you are not going to be able to sit still. Uh, I don't think. And, and we should mention, by the way, Josh Jacobs might not even play in this game. He was limited uh, on Wednesday. We haven't, we haven't got a practice report uh, on him since then. Almost didn't play last week against Seattle. Obviously he ended up being just fine, but he, he did say he tweaked his calf injury uh, during that, that huge day against Seattle. So if Josh Jacobs doesn't play to me, there's a pretty big drop off going from a guy who's, literally the number one back in fantasy in standard leagues and, and half point PPR uh, to like Zamir White and Amir Abdullah like that. That to me would make me feel better, uh, significantly better uh, about the Chargers winning this game. But it also sounds like Mike Williams not trending in the right direction for the Chargers. It's uh, I, I, unfortunately, I see this game playing out very similarly to to last week's Seattle Vegas game. Like I, I think it might just be like last team with the ball wins. Yeah, I think that that's a good way to, to chalk it up. Uh, so my question to you, who gets the ball last? Well, hopefully it's the Chargers because I, I, I could assure you that's the side uh, that I will be on here. And I, I, I dug up the stat. Uh, and we always like all year I've been saying the Ra- no team has killed me more than the Raiders. I know that for a fact. I've been, I feel like I'm like 0 for 12 uh, on the Raiders so far this year. Uh, teams are 1 in 10 straight up after playing the Raiders this season. So that would imply that Seattle is in, in major trouble this week, which I don't think they are. I think the Rams are, are a complete shell of themselves, and we'll dive more into that game in a little bit. But it's not a good omen, that's for sure. And it, it definitely plays into my theory that the Raiders, whenever you play them, they, they trick you. Like if, if the Raiders beat you, um, you know that's a, that's a big-time alarm bell situation. If you lose to the Raiders, you're probably losing the next week. Uh, but if you beat the Raiders, it also tricks people into thinking you're a good team. And then more often than not, you're going ahead and losing the next week. Like they are... They're they're just the the team that's been wrecking everything for me. Have you seen uh, the movie buff that you are? Have you ever seen the movie It Follows? I have no idea what that is. Never heard of it. Okay. The the premise is uh, something happens and then you you basically get haunted by by this ghost until you effectively pass it on to the next team. So that that basically is what the Raiders are this year. They are the It Follows spirit. Yeah, I mean, you said I'm a movie buff. I am not a movie buff. Just just to be clear to anybody listening, I, I'm the opposite of a movie buff, but I'll, I'll trust you on that one. That sounds like it makes a lot of sense. I want to throw out the Minnesota Vikings uh, as a team, and I think you know, this line could maybe be a little bit higher. They're playing at home for the fifth time in six weeks. Uh, it feels like every game is at home this season for the Vikings. Uh, they're three-point favorites, 
So they're getting what? I mean, it's a real home home field advantage there. It's still probably getting a half point on a neutral, you're assuming, against this Jets team. I respect the hell out of the Jets defense. I'll say that. I think everybody does. I I as good as Mike White looked last week, I think if I'm Zach Wilson, you know, sitting on the sidelines with my hoodie up, looking all vindictive the entire game, I'm thinking, look, I could have done this against the Bears defense. This might be the worst defense in the league. Are we putting too much stock into Mike White playing really well against a really, really bad defense? Probably. Um, it, I think it, it just needs to be established that that just how bad this Bears defense is. I don't, I don't think that's quite getting uh, discussed enough within like the context of Mike White's big game last week. And, and you know, obviously Mike White famous for his Bengals game uh, last year. But you also look at his box scores and you remember, oh, yeah, he also had that four interception game with no touchdowns. And it's like, ah, that's it's a little bit more like it. Um, So I I think the Jets are a team that if they just get baseline decent quarterback play, they they can beat almost anybody. Um, And they've proven that time and time again when Zach Wilson hasn't screwed up. They've been able to reel off impressive wins at the time against the Packers and, of course, against the Bills. I do think that we're 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 skating on thin ice with Mike White in the, in the sense that you look at his advanced numbers under six yard depth of throw. So all of a sudden, you know, like the, you're not going to be sneaking up on the Vikings with that game plan the way that you were with the Bears, and the Vikings are going to be able to just kind of start creeping down towards the line, making a lot of traffic there in in the throwing lanes that Mike White likes to likes to go to, and all of a sudden this becomes a huge issue for the jets and we're back to square one where, where they're saddled with, with a, you know, horrific quarterback performance and therefore, um, you know, that they, they lose to a, to a quality, uh, Vikings team. I, this one is definitely hard. I, I think that I ultimately think that there's just enough magic left in Mike white to, to make this happen to, to, um, trust the jets in this spot. But, uh, boy, it's, um, that that's one that I'm going to be agonizing over all the way up until Sunday. At three, to me, it's a stay away. If it got to Vikings three and a half, you know, maybe I would jump on the Jets. If it got, you know, went down to the Vikings two and a half, I would be happy uh, to take Minnesota at home. And look, I I don't want to believe in the Vikings as much as anybody. Look, I I I, I they're they're still a, they're back over uh they're back over what do you call it? I guess they're in positive territory uh, in terms of point differential now after last week's win. So at least they have that going for them. They still do have a worse point differential than the Jaguars. I continue to st- spread that message to as many people as who will listen, but you know, they also put up 33 points on what some metrics say is one of the three best defenses in the league last week against the Pats. And of course you're also saying, well, they did let Mac Jones throw for almost 400 yards. It's the first time all year that Mac Jones has looked anything like that. Uh, So you do have questions about that Vikings pass defense for sure. But at the same time, I also feel like they have a cheat code at receiver in Justin Jefferson. And like, I don't even know how to value this guy anymore like I, I think you know when Cooper Cup is healthy when Jamar Chase is healthy Stephon Diggs like those guys Devontae Adams they're all in the same neighborhood I, I don't think Jefferson is on his own tier but in, in terms of the contested catches that he's making downfield he is in a league of his own this year I mean it is yeah. unbelievable he had two just monster bailout catches on you know those have to be like 20 percent completion to anyone else in the league and for him you feel like it's 90 percent yeah. And, you know, it, it's a continuation of, you know, the Bills play, of course, the the most famous one. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's it's wild. Uh, that's that's his trump card with, with uh, as far as like his, you know, particular like superpower at, at receiver. He's he's just unreal. He's great at everything else. But that that kind of like, you know, is the icing on the cake, as it were. And, you know, you'd like to see 
the Vikings not be so monochromatic when it comes to their passing game. You'd like to see, uh, you know, those other weapons get a little bit more involved here. So it's not all Jefferson, but uh, you know what? I think we're in for a, a film guys are going to really enjoy like the, the sauce Gardner, Justin Jefferson mm. matchup. I, I could see this one uh, resulting in some serious jawing as, as the game goes on, as they, they go to battle so many times. What do you think of the total in this game sitting at 44 right now at bet MGM? I think that's about right. You know, obviously a lot of respect for this Jets defense. I don't necessarily see this as a spot where Minnesota or, or obviously the Jets are approaching 30 points. I mean, implied score, something like, you know, 21, 24, something in that range. Like that, that seems about right. Yeah, I, th- this was, you know, again, a, a tough one to, to get a handle on. I believe I took the, the over um, just because, again, I, I think that Mike White can just do it one more time and uh you know get get Garrett Wilson get Elijah Moore going and you know they they end up putting up enough points on on their to their point and uh you know the Vikings I think their offense will kind of win the the matchup against uh the Jets probably for the most part enough to where you know we we see this one good, uh total be like 47 something like that yeah uh Christian Derisaw for the, the the Minnesota Vikings did not practice on Wednesday he's still in concussion protocol uh, looks like probably 50-50 at best. Uh, you know, they they very quickly ruled him out of last week's game. Of course, that was on a short week uh, coming out of their previous game. But uh, no Derisaw, uh, that, that would be a, a little bit scary, uh, I think, if you're looking at that Vikings offensive line. We both lost our best bets last week, John. Uh, we, we were up front about it at the top of the pod. I was on Seattle. That was crushing. Uh, so many chances, it felt like they had to close out that game. Of course, you lose it on like an almost 90-yard run by Josh Jacobs in overtime. I just... I was beside myself um, at that Seattle defense. That 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 to me felt like a, a rough one. I've had some bad, just outright bad picks. I, I this is not one that I felt all that bad about. You know, I, I I really thought Seattle was the right side in that one, and they put up thirty points, and it wasn't enough. And, it, and you know, to to be fair to you, you know that, that it made all the sense in the world to to go with Thank Seattle at home in that spot. I felt a little bit less conviction on that one. I, I really wanted to, you know, pe- people really love to see the drama between us. So I, I felt like uh, going with the with the Ravens uh, what was the play. I did feel confident that the Ravens were, were going to do it. Like, you know, if I were to redo that best bet, like I, I probably am still going with Baltimore. And it looked good for a decent chunk of that game, even if Baltimore, for its own part, didn't. Uh, that. Yeah, they still had the nine point lead in in the fourth quarter for crying out loud. So it, it should have come in. It just simply did not. Uh, I do feel better about mine for 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 this week, but we will of course tackle that later. But um, if I may do the honors, may I? Yeah, start you want to lead off us off? You the, want to go every other? Yes, let we'll, we'll right. trade off yet again. I will. I will. Uh, I will take the first at bat here. Kick off week thirteen of the NFL season with the king. Of sportsbook, sign up with BetMGM using bonus code BetRoto. That's B-E-T-R-O-T-O, and your first wager is risk-free up to one thousand dollars. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. You must be 21 years or older to wager. However, if you are in Ontario, you only have to be 19 or older. Not bad. 
New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes our guys, the Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Do you have a gambling problem? If so, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 in Tennessee or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. <sighs> All right, man. Um, I mean, we got to get off the schneid this week with the best bets. We're not going over two. It cannot happen. I'm not letting it happen. No, we, we're we're locked in. We've we've been back in the lab. If anything, you know, we're our own harshest critics. Like we mm-hmm. we want to. We both want to get off the schneid here. Um, it'll be interesting to see what how we handle this when we both hit our best bets next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was at the gym, you know, this past week, I I brought up my picks on my phone. I, you know, kind of use those as motivation. You know, I set them down. I'm trying to keep an eye on them. You know, get get one extra rep in there. Uh, like you said, we're, we're not. You know, nobody's pushing harder uh, than we are behind the scenes. That is for Indianapolis. Sure. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, let's get back to week thirteen, man. Um, I kind of want just want to go up and down the board as usual. We 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 touch on about half of the games. We'll we'll check back in on a few that we want to go deeper on. We'll hit on the rest of the games. Uh, that we have not mentioned. Uh, let's go to Packers Bears, and you know if you if you've been clued in this week, you'll notice that this line has also been on the move. It it ticked down a full point in the last couple hours in favor of the Chicago Bears. It was sitting at Green Bay minus four and a half on the road, now down to three and a half with the news that Justin Fields put in a full practice on Thursday. That I mean that's huge. I, I mean we saw what the Eagles offense looked like against Green Bay last week. Uh, I know that there's a big history here with, with Aaron Rodgers and, and you know his, his ownership stake in the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. But with Fields coming back, I mean, that, that offense, you know, they, they do lose Darnell Mooney. That's tough. But, you know, you still – you made the trade for Chase Claypool. If Justin Fields is ready to go, then you also have Cole Komet. I mean, that – this is tricky. This is really, really tricky. And it's not like on the other side that the Packers are, you know, the picture of health at quarterback. So for as many questions as you might have about how effective is Justin Fields, how effective is Aaron Rodgers going to be? I mean, like it not only was the thumb just killing him clearly uh, these last few weeks and and notably on, on Sunday night, but net, then he picks up the the core injury as well. It's like, oh boy, like I, I all of a sudden, you know, with, with Fields potentially being back and, and seeing the kind of problems that, that a, a strong run game presented for uh, the Green Bay Packers last week, I'm very, very interested in, in the Bears. And it, I think this line movement is very telling. 
Yeah, and we should note, you know, Aaron Rodgers is still technically questionable, limited at practice on Thursday. That's been the case you know, with each passing week. I, I fully expect Rodgers to play. I would be shocked if he doesn't. Uh, you know, he's been open about it, you know, saying, look, if we're still mathematically in the hunt, I want to play. And Matt LaFleur seems to be completely on the same page with Rodgers. And I, I still think we're going to see a minimum of probably two Jordan Love starts at the end of the year. I mean, Green Bay is one more loss from the mathematical stuff just being out the window. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think Rodgers is cognizant of how, in some ways, like strangely closely, this is tracking to like the Favre Rodgers dynamic, you know, from 15 years ago. And I, I think, you know, he's kind of trying to play both sides where he's like, look, I, I still want to play. I was the MVP each of the last two years. I haven't fallen off a cliff, but, um, you know, I also think he, he doesn't want to be viewed in the same way that Brett Favre was uh, when his career was coming to an end in Green Bay, where he just wanted no part of kind of grooming the future. So it's a tough situation. Again, I think we see Rodgers uh, in this game. Fair to question how limited he'll be outdoors at Chicago. Um, you know, not the easiest environment, although for Aaron Rodgers, it has been. Um, so I, I still like Green Bay in this game, even with Fields, you know, dealing with a shoulder injury specifically. I know it's his non-throwing shoulder, but he did say, you know, earlier this week, it was still affecting him, uh, obviously throwing with his right hand being his left shoulder. I have much more questions about him as the runner. You know, right. these last couple of weeks, more so than they were early in the season, they've been using him in these designed runs, kind of Jalen Hurtsian uh, between the tackles, QB draws, things like that. He's still very capable, of course, of, of dropping back and making things happen in, in a scramble drill situation. But I, I don't know that, that he's going to be quite as confident, you know, lowering that shoulder, uh, something that, that, that really is a huge piece of what's made him, you know, one of the big breakouts this season. So Justin Fields playing, yes, it's an upgrade over Trevor Simeon, who is also on the injury report with, with an oblique injury. Like if Fields didn't play, we might have been looking at Tim Boyle starting for oh. the Bears. Uh, that obviously would have been fantastic for Green Sleeper Bay. Sleeper cell. I, I still, yeah, I still like Green Bay here. Um, you know, it, it, it's so hard because the, the Packers, it feels like some of their best offensive games this year have come in losses. You know, like I thought the offense played pretty well against Buffalo. I thought it played yes. really well at times. Uh, this past week against Philly. And because they lose those games, I think it just becomes, well, you know, Green Bay, there's another loss that they continue to free fall. Uh, but they they do at least seem to have figured some things out offensively. Like AJ Dillon, for example, did the unthinkable and got in the end zone uh, in the last game. That was his first touchdown since week one. I thought that was the best he's ran the ball all year. And with Christian Watson rolling, they, they actually do have some big play potential, which that, that to me is what was really, really missing from this team early on. So, uh, I don't know if if you do this as well, but but I caught myself doing it on, on Sunday night when when AJ Dillon was finishing runs, like just volunteer or uh, involuntarily. I'm just making the Chris Berman sound. I'm just yeah. what? <laughs> it's just that, that, I mean, it just sh- uh, shades of Mike Allstott dance through my yeah. head as he as he's just plowing through a couple of fellas. So um, yeah, AJ Dillon, so fun to watch, but. Um, no, I think I think your your point is well taken as it as it goes with with Fields because you know I, I think a lot of the times we brush off if if it's a non throwing shoulder for a quarterback, but Fields is not your your run of the mill uh, stand stand back in the pocket type of quarterback. Like he, the reason why the Bears have been you know having any sort of pulse on offense has been because he's been you know getting out in the open field and and you know gashing teams with, uh, on the ground. So if he's reluctant to do that. Then, then, you know, may, maybe the, there's an overcorrection in this line at that point. And you mentioned no Darnell Mooney for the Bears. That's huge. Also, no Eddie Jackson on that defense. Like that, this was already a horrific defense. You take Eddie Jackson away. I mean, he was probably the best remaining player on that unit. Um, I, I think Green Bay is going to be able to put up points. It's just a matter of, you know, whether that Green Bay rush defense, which was historically bad last week against the Eagles, 
that they gave up the second most yards in a game this decade on the ground to the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, part of me thinks this has just not been a good Green Bay defense. They're just so badly schemed week to week. Uh, but at the same time, you're, you know, you're not going to have a, a that type of anomaly performance two weeks in a row. So I, I think we're going to know early on, like if Green Bay comes out and goes three and out on its first two drives, uh, I think we're going to have ourselves a game. But if the Packers come out, you know, come out confident, maybe they, they get 10 points on those first two drives. I, I actually think this is a spot where they could kind of quietly roll on the road, even with Justin Fields in the lineup for the Bears. Uh, Jags Lions, we talked about. Don't need to dig into that one too much more. Browns Texans. How about it? Cleveland, seven-point favorites on the road at Houston. I, I actually think this line is correct. I, I'm not all that high on the Browns in this spot. I, I took Houston in staff picks. I believe we had it at seven and a half at that time, so that made it a little bit easier. I, I really think there's a chance that Deshaun Watson struggles here. It, it's been It's going to be exactly 700 days on Sunday since he last started an NFL game. Uh, he had very limited action in the preseason. I, I know he's been ramping up behind the scenes these last couple of weeks, but it, to me, it's completely unrealistic to expect, you know, 2020 NFL MVP candidate Deshaun Watson to just be that guy stepping in in this situation. I think so too. Um, and, you know, I don't think that the the parallel is right on with this, uh, but could you see, you know, shades of like the, the Russell Wilson game out in Seattle to, to start the year? I, I know that uh, Houston they're at a point in their season where maybe the home f- home crowd isn't going to be quite as rowdy and they, they never are a- as rowdy a- as the folks up in Seattle. And, you know, with that being a Monday night game, new season and everything, um, you know, that it obviously made things tougher for Russell Wilson. I, I don't know if the, the, it's going to play out the same way, but I could certainly see so, some struggles there. And I, I think that, you know, in, in a more concrete football sense, um, yeah, I think the rust is going to be a factor. Like, I think the Browns are going to be able to be kind of a spoiler team here down the stretch once Watson gets himself into rhythm. But I'm not banking on it necessarily happening in, in his first game back. That's a long, long layoff. And I know the Texans are the Texans, and they're very, very bad. But uh, it's it, I still have a hard time tr- trusting the Browns with, with this number. That that that's a number that that you know. I would see, I could understand if like we had a start or two under Watson's belt this year, but not in his first game back. Right. I, I think, you know, there, there's some extra juice here because it is Houston specifically uh, given the history with Watson. But if you throw that out, like I, I, ju- I don't see the Browns losing this game, even if Watson just doesn't look anything like his former self. I, I don't even know if it matters. Like the Texans are really, really bad. And, you know, Nick Chubb and this offensive line going up against that Texans defense. Uh, to me, that that's just such a huge mismatch that I don't think Cleveland's going to ask Deshaun Watson to win this game for them. You know, I, I think you kind of bring him back and uh, do a do a little bit of a soft launch, if you will, uh, on the road this week. Like I, I just, the Texans are a really rough team. I mean, it's going to be Brandon Allen again at quarterback. Uh, this has not been a great Cleveland defense, but hard not to feel good about that matchup. Um, I I almost feel like this game is going to push against the spread. Like if it holds at seven, I, I think the Browns win this game like twenty three to sixteen. Like I, I just I don't see it being a blowout. I don't think the Texans get embarrassed. I don't think the Browns are really capable of doing that right now. But I I also just I, I can't find a reason to say the Texans could win this game outright. Like that just doesn't seem possible. No, there there would have to be some some crazy stuff that that happens. There would have to be like a, a pick six or two uh, for, for uh, the Texans to win this one outright. So it takes some fluky stuff, but yeah, I, th- I think your summation, it makes sense. I, I could see this one falling right, right at seven. Got one more Texan stat to throw at you, by the way, 
They have mm. scored 17 total points in the first quarter this season. 17. Seems like not enough. So L- Lovey Smith, not a fast starter. No, no, exactly. That, it, it seems like they're playing from behind every week. And uh, yeah, that does check out. That is in fact <laughs> they the case. are. Um, Jets Vikings, we dug into that one pretty deeply. I think we could move on there. Same with Commanders Giants. Um, let's go to Seattle and the Rams. I do want to return to that one real quickly. You know, I'll, I'll give a little tease here. Uh, literally, this this will be part of the teaser of the week. Uh, so so be prepared for that. You know, I'm starting to feel the same way about the Rams as I do the Texans in some ways where like you could say that, you know, Seattle's had two major letdowns like this. This could be another spot for that. But I just think the Rams are depleted to the point where it's really hard for them to win football games. We don't expect Matthew Stafford to play in this one. Uh, he's currently doubtful that they haven't gone as far as to rule him out. But I, I'm going to say it right now. He's not going to play. Cooper Cup is on IR. Allen Robinson is on IR. That uh, they're banged up at virtually every position on offense, and you know Aaron Donald now not going to play in this game. So, I mean, how many blue chippers are they down to? Is it, is it just Jalen Ramsey at this point? Do we count Bobby Wagner? Um, and like and I, that's I, all they had. Like that's the thing about the the Rams, like the the most top heavy team in the NFL. It is like yeah. stars and scrubs. It, it's it looks like a, a salary cap draft or, or something uh, in, in a fantasy context. Like that they're they're just trying to hope that their star players can just lift up the rest of just a bunch of like $1 type of guys at the end of the draft. I mean, it's, it's hideous. Um, what, what they've built, they, they've kind of just paid the piper that they, they, they pushed all their chips in the middle of the table for, for last year's run worked out, but you know, there, there's a downside to just eschewing the, the NFL draft at, at a certain point. And, and, you know, you, you, your roster construction, your depth really takes a hit, especially when those star players are hurt or underperforming or both. And that's what we have with, with the Rams. The look ahead on this, by the way, uh, back at like ahead of week one, Rams nine and a half. Yeah. So what, what, <laughs> what is that like a 16 and a half point swing? Ooh, nice math. Yeah. I don't even know if that's correct. Don't, don't check me on that. But uh, it was eight and a half in favor of Seattle earlier in the week has come down a little bit. I am okay with that. I think part of it is, you know, the, the Rams getting some, timely slash lucky stops. I think last week against Kansas city, I mean, that, that game should have been significantly more lopsided. Uh, although, you know, Bryce Perkins did throw a couple of picks in the second half that, that maybe prevented uh, a couple of field goals by the Rams. I just, that there's such a limited team. I, I think they're, they're one of the very few teams right now that has accepted their fate. They know they're cooked. And I, I think they're just kind of, they kind of just want to run out the clock on the season. So I, I like Seattle. Minus seven. I mean, again, it's it's not the greatest number to grab them at, but it's it's not even about me feeling good about the Seahawks because they haven't given us a whole lot to feel good about, especially defensively these last couple of weeks. I just I, we know for a fact the Rams cannot exploit it. No, they they can't. They're playing out the string. That the season's over for them. I don't know if uh, playing a divisional foe could even you know provide a spark for them at this stage, even at home. No. no. And, and look, we should say they won the Super Bowl last year, so they're fine. You know, they're, I, I think you you take that trade off. You'll, you'll take a down year uh, after winning a Super Bowl. I think there's like 28 other franchises that would be totally fine with that. Um, Dolphins Niners, talk Here about burying the lead. I don't know. I don't even know if we've mentioned this game yet. This is maybe the game I'm most looking forward to the entire year so far. I think this is going to be so much fun, regardless of how it plays out. Dolphins four point dogs at San Francisco total sitting at 46 and a half there. There are just so many, you know, kind of this unit against this unit coach versus coach Tua versus that defense. Like I, 
I'm having a really tough time kind of pinning down what I think happens. Uh, and on top of that, we have major injury questions, you know, especially Christian McCaffrey uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. His status very much up in the air at this point. Uh, he did work off to the side at Thursday, uh, which is a slight upgrade over not practicing at all on Wednesday. Um, if Christian McCaffrey doesn't play, things could get a little dicey for San Francisco. And I, I know that defense has been running red hot these last few weeks. Uh, they have not allowed a second half touchdown in four straight games. Everybody's heard that stat by now. But the stat that a lot of people are not talking about, the San Francisco 49ers have had a cake schedule this season. And I, I do think that is part of the reason that this defense looks as good in some of the advanced numbers as it does. It is a very good defense. I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's fraudulent, but um, you know, I, some of these recent opponents have just been ridiculously bad on offense. Right. And, the, and you, when they played a good offense, the chiefs, they struggled. So they got blown out in the second half, run out mm-hmm. of the building. That was at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the, the big denim. Um, so, uh, I mean, that's all it, you got to factor it all in, but I am kind of willing to, to feel like, the Niners obviously last week didn't look great. They 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 pitched the shutout, but it's against the Saints, so you know, but you take that for what you will. But I, I'm willing to think that you know they're playing on that short week, and they're coming off a game at higher than mile high altitude. I think that there maybe there is a, a bit of a just kind of collective slog uh, that that San Francisco w- was dealing with last week that they won't in this spot. They've obviously probably had this one circled for some time, especially since Miami has, you know, really kind of risen up and established themselves as one of the best teams in the AFC and one of the most explosive offenses in the entire NFL. Um, but, you know, the, the other thing that's been bandied about on the old internet uh, th- this week is the story from Tua last year, looking at himself in the mirror and asking himself, do I suck? And you know what? I think he's going to be asking himself that again after this game, I love the Niners in this spot. Ooh. I don't, I don't think that it's great that McCaffrey is injured. And of course, when you have Elijah Mitchell also out, you're talking about guys like Jordan Mason, uh, potentially being big factors in that backfield, but maybe, and I know that he was on the injury report earlier this week, but maybe Debo Samuel gets a little bit more involved in the run game here to, to kind of help supplement slash offset the loss of otherwise backfield production. And I, I just feel like, uh, D'Amico Ryans is going to put Tua in hell this week. I just think that, mm. that it's just going to be tough. I think that they're they're going to have a beat on what the what the Dolphins want to do offensively. And I, I know at a certain point, speed just wins sometimes, you know. And you have guys like Tyreek and, and Waddle, uh, so that that can certainly happen. But I'm betting against it this time around. Like a lot of the fantasy projections are pretty low on the Dolphins. So if if their offense isn't clicking and the the Niners are able to just kind of like control clock and hit the occasional big play to Samuel or Ayuk or, or Kittle. I feel like the, the Niners kind of put down a little statement win here. I think if the winning total is 25 points or less, the 49ers win this game. Yeah. Right. I, I think it, it has to be kind of a, the Dolphins want to play this game in a shootout. And if, if they are not able to move the ball, um, it goes without saying that they probably won't win this game, but you know, I, I think you, the same argument that I made for the 49ers, who's, you know, that their last four games have come against the Rams, a very banged up Chargers team, the Colt McCoy Cardinals, and then the atrocity that is the Saints offense last week. Like Miami's had a couple soft ones in a row as well. Obviously, they're, they're coming off of playing the Texans. So it's going to be a big jump in competition, I think, for both sides. The number one question to me is without Teron Armstead, mm. can Miami's o- offensive line hold up? And as soon as Armstead went out 
last week against the Texans? The answer was a resounding no. Tua was sacked like hard, like three times almost immediately. And I think that's a big reason they pulled him out of that game with minutes left in the third quarter uh, rather than giving him another series or two. And they almost had to put him back in because all of a sudden Houston started moving the ball. That Miami offensive line, like we said, it has not been good all year. You take Armstead away. If Tua is under siege and does not have time to throw, the 49ers will absolutely win this game. And this is another one where I feel like we're going to know right away. You know, like if two is clean for the first drive of the game, I think the Dolphins are going to have some confidence. I think, you know, we haven't even touched on the, the Shanahan McDaniel element of this. I, I don't, I don't know if there's really, you know, any advantage there, you know, the, the teacher student dynamic. Um, I think both sides come into this game feeling really good about it though. Like I, I think the Dolphins firmly believe they're winning this game. And I think San Francisco believes that too. Like I, I don't, I don't think there's any fear on either side. You know, I think the Dolphins look at that San Francisco defense and say, yeah, we, we, we could beat these guys. And I think San Francisco looks at, at Miami and says, this is a finesse team. All they want to do is, is throw deep across the middle. We'll take that away and we'll be just fine. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that the Armstead point, I think, I think is huge. And also how tough was the beat if you had the over in that Miami game last week? 30 points at the half. <laughs> and under oh my goodness uh that was that was a tough scene um but yeah i think i think that yeah this is a, this is a toe-to-toe uh afc versus nfc battle uh grasshopper versus master and uh i'm excited to to see how this one plays out i, I i'm kind of with you where it's number one on my sunday afternoon power rankings oh big time and that's saying a lot because we got Chiefs Bengals in that mm-hmm. late window as well that's the game that most people uh will see if you if you mosey over to 506 sports.com uh, and you, you kind of see where all the maps break down. Uh, pretty much everybody's getting Chiefs Bengals. Uh, you're gonna have to pull out the second TV uh, and find yourself a stream for for Dolphins and Niners. Um, I, I like the Chiefs in this game a lot. They are they are two point favorites on the road. Um, you know, I, I you know much to to Jeff's uh, chagrin, laid out my case. Uh, he of course is a big Bengals fan uh, on the XM show last night. Could Cincinnati win this game? Yes, of course. I, I'm not. I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to come in here and, and blow out Cincinnati. Uh, Mahomes is 44 and four in his career in games where the Chiefs lead by at least 14 points at any point. Two of those four losses came to the Bengals in the span of a month last season. So you know, it, at least in in recent history, no team and no quarterback has really been able to solve Mahomes in the way that that Cincy and Joe Burrow have. Um, I, I just think, and tell me if I'm, I'm reading too much into the narrative because I, I really don't like doing the narrative based thing, but this to me reminds me of the Bills coming into Arrowhead earlier this season and beating the Chiefs. That to me felt like a game that Buffalo was going to win no matter what. Even even though they didn't even look like the better team for most of the game, they're like they their entire season like they need to win this game for confidence purposes, for revenge purposes, like they're not letting themselves lose. This whole year to me has kind of been a Mahomes reminding everybody that he's the best player in the league. And look, he, he's not a big talker. He's not somebody who's going to you know, go out and say anything in the media or make it bigger than it needs to be. But you know damn well he wants to win this game badly. Um, you know, Losing twice to Cincinnati, again, over the span of 30 days last year. I, this, this to me uh, kind of feels like a, a reminder game by Patrick Mahomes where he's like, I'm not letting us lose. I mean, that that's... It's certainly all on the table, and I think that you know Cincinnati. They, they had that brilliant defensive game plan in the second half of the AFC Championship game last year, and you know we're talking about two confident sides when we're talking uh, Dolphins Niners. I mean, who might be more confident right now that, than the Bengals? Uh, you know, you get Jamar Chase back in the fold. Um, you have a guy in Joe Burrow who just doesn't blink. That that guy just he's just pure steel onions, and you know they're. I think them on the on the other side, they want to show that last year's run 
was not a fluke. And them going into Tennessee, going into the bad guy's house and and, and taking care of business last week, super, super impressive. So for, for me, like I, I definitely understand uh, your case for, for the for the Chiefs, and it feels makes you queasy to to go against them. But um, as road favorites against Cincinnati right now, I do kind of like the Bengals here, actually. Mm. Okay. Well, I, I like we have a little bit of dissent uh, on the pod. I look, like I said, I don't feel I, I feel strongly about Kansas City showing up for this game for sure. I mean, they are the Chiefs. Uh, it's going to be a back and forth game no matter what. Um, and like, it's not like Cincinnati doesn't need this game either, right? Like, I, I don't the, the the danger when you go down the narrative path is saying that like one team cares more, like implying that that the Bengals are just sitting around being like, oh, we could lose this game, no big deal. Like, no, they're thinking the same thing. You know, they they, they want to beat the Chiefs for the third time in a row, and and really. I think firmly established themselves as one of the elite teams in the AFC. I will say on the Jamar Chase front, uh, you know, Jeff showed me a, there was like a, a 12 tweet thread by some Bengals beat writer. Uh, I think it was from the athletic. Um, and you know, if you look into some of the language that Chase was using, like, I, I think he's going to play in this game, but his quote was, I, I'm going to take some reps on Sunday. I, I don't know if we're getting like full board Jamar Chase. And, and as Jeff pointed out, you know, he's like, well, maybe that means you, you're just not using him on like running downs, things like that. Sure. But I, I don't think it's fair to expect like you're just adding 100% healthy Jamar Chase back into the mix. I, I do think there's going to be a process of easing him back in. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, not not an exact parallel because uh, this particular guy hadn't played all year until these spots. But like with George Pickens last year for for George's playoff run, uh, you know, they they said he'd been ramping up that all this good stuff, but you know it all amounts to just a couple of snaps in, in both games against Alabama. He made big plays in both, but you know, that the snap count was limited and you can't just like expect Jamar chase to go out there and like his only catches be 50 yard touchdown. So that that's, that's definitely well said. And then, you know, in the, in the other case, you know, what if Joe Mixon is, is less than a hundred percent to his own part? Like, I, I don't know if Samaj P Ron can do the same things. So that's an issue too, but I think the burrow can still rise to the occasion. And, and, you know, I don't think that he's necessarily hurting for weapons, even without chase, because you, you do have a guy like, like T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, even if Boyd, um, you know, maybe, maybe him and, and Burrow aren't the, the best match, but you know, Boyd is still a pros pro at, at receiver. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. And, you know, if, if Cincinnati can replicate the, the stuff that confused Mahomes the first time around last year, then, you know, that it's anyone's game. Colts Cowboys is our Sunday nighter this week. Uh, the NFL graciously uh, deciding not to flex that one out. It is the Cowboys. I understand it, but it, it should be illegal to subject us to watching the Colts in primetime yet again. Two uh, weeks, two weeks in, a in a row at that. I mean, my goodness. I This one is uh, Cowboys 10 and a half. It was up at 11 earlier in the week. Um, I you know, the Colts have been able to slow down some high powered offenses. You know, you, they beat the chiefs that, that just seems like something that never actually happened, but it did. Um, you know, obviously they, they almost beat the Eagles a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, kind of unraveled a little bit against a, a Pittsburgh team that I, I don't know is, uh, quite as competent on offense as, as Indy made them look at times this past week, but short week for the Colts Cowboys running hot. Um, you know, not exactly a dominant performance on Thanksgiving, but took care of business, I really like Dallas here. I mean, I, I, how high would this number have to get for you uh, to take the other side? Or, or maybe do you like the Colts at 10 and a half? Um, I, I, I'm all over Dallas at, at this number. I think, you know, we'd have to be at like the 12 and a half point range for, for me to be thinking about Indianapolis. I, I just think that, 
you have the most sackable quarterback in Matt Ryan going up against the team that sacks the quarterback the most in, in uh, Dallas. That to me just kind of like lays the, the framework for, for a, you know, a double digit win. And then, you know, if Dallas gets things going on offense, then, you know, but the rest is history and, and we get a, a fairly easy cover and an uncompetitive game. But may, maybe we need that just to like wind down after how electric sun, Sunday afternoon is going to be. Yeah, uh, that is that is nice. I mean, I, I think we're going to be fired up for Dolphins Niners, going to be extremely fired up uh, for Chiefs Bengals. I'm going to be I, no matter what what pick I end up making on Chargers Raiders, I know it's going to be wrong. So I'm going to be really fired up about that. Yep. Uh, it, it is always <laughs> nice to have uh, at least what we think is a, a bankable result. Uh, on Sunday night, Monday night football, Saints, Buccaneers, Bucks, three and a half point home favorites total for this game all the way down at 40 and a half. That might be high, man. I, the Bucks, what are we doing with the Bucks here? They're, they're, they're under 500. They seemingly, maybe possibly turned a corner in Germany against Seattle. They, they finally were able to run the ball. Uh, that was the biggest question for me last week was, can they continue to do anything on the ground? Because we saw how much that opened up big plays for that offense through the air. And they look like the same old bucks last week against the Browns. They're, they're punting from the Cleveland 37. They're punting late in the game from, from the Cleveland, like 48. Uh, they they t- weirdly like don't seem to trust Tom Brady, maybe rightfully so. Um, Tom Brady, I, I don't know if he even trusts himself at this point. It just It's an offense that for 90% of this season, just seems like it goes through the motions. Like the offense trots out there. It's like, all right, we got to go down and get a score. If we get even a field goal here, this game is over. First down, one yard rush. Second down, two yard out to Chris Godwin. Third down, incomplete go ball to Mike Evans, punt. It's just, it's on a loop. It's it's not a good loop to be in, but I don't see them snapping out of it. And, you know, earlier this season when these two teams played, there was a lot of consternation saying like, okay, the, the Saints, they always have the Bucks number, but it was like, mm, I'm still going with the Bucks here. But I had a very different opinion of the Bucks at that stage of the year than I do now. I think that they just, they're an uninspired group. And I think the defense has taken a step back uh, this pat- this year. I think the offensive line is an issue. Um, not sure what, what's going to be going on with, with Lattimore this time around, but if he's out there, then you can bet on Mike Evans just getting ejected in the second quarter. Um, so as gross as it as it feels, I'm on some real gross sides this week, but mm. the Saints are among them. And I, I'm, I'm ready to strap into the electric chair on, on Monday night and, and, and ride against Tom Brady on a Monday night past his bedtime. Give me the Saints. Look, I, I can't come up with a good argument not to take the Saints, other than the Saints are a bad football team, um, yep. and Tampa might be as well. Like, I, I'm I'm not ready to say the Tampa defense. Uh, it, it's not nearly as good as it was the last two years. Like that, we know. I still think it's a good defense. I, I think they're they're almost in the same position as the Broncos, where it's like, look, we're we're playing well here. We're we're doing our part, and if you give the other team 15 chances in a row, and half of those come with good field position, like yeah, we're we're gonna let up some scores every now and then. And that last drive against Cleveland, I mean, I don't, I don't know what Carlton Davis was doing on Amari Cooper. Uh, that was pretty inexcusable, but I, I think with it, with just like average offensive play, I think this defense would look a lot better, but they've just, they've been put in so many bad spots throughout the year. Yes, they, they definitely have. And the, the offense is certainly busted, you know, like that basically you watch them do the, do the loop that you mentioned, or um, just try to run this hurry up, try to have Tom Brady throw the ball like 50 times for 250 yards. Like it's just, it's ugly. They're not. They're not getting anything going downfield. It's always short. It's always the, these like tunnel screens, stuff like that. And it's just 
It's they not working. They never that. seem to know the down a distance. Like they're they're playing everything like it's like second and two. Yeah, <laughs> and oftentimes it's not, and that that yeah. ends up uh, really coming back to bite them in in well, several and, and spots. How often can you say about a Tom Brady team like? You know, like watching the the Colts the other night, like the, you know, like Matt Ryan takes a sack. All of a sudden, it's like third and sixteen, and you're like, they might as well just punt here. They have no chance. That's how I feel about the Bucks. Like if they and they've had a ton of penalties, they had some killer penalties last week against Cleveland. Like if they're facing a, a second and long or a third and long, I just feel like they have no shot. Like they don't they don't seem to have any plays that can get chunk yardage when they need it. No, that they, they don't. Uh, it's just not there. It's not working for them this year. So uh, as bad as the Saints are, and they're not going to be able to score many points, you know, that we're looking at a total here uh, of 40 and a half. Uh, under. And I, I love the under on, on that one. It's it's going to be, I think both these both these teams score in the teens. Yeah, that's my my strongest lean on this game right now is the under. And look, if this, if this hangs around at three and a half, I, I like the Saints. I really do. I, yep. I think this could be... 17 14 could be 16 13 maybe even 20 to 17 if we really get some fireworks on offense but i i don't think i don't think either of these teams uh, are confident that they can move the ball right now it's going to be ugly i don't fault you i don't fault anybody uh for taking the saints as, as wrong uh, as it might feel I, I think we're still collectively adjusting to the bucks not being a good team you know like it was so many of their games the last couple of years have just felt like auto bets like well it's the bucks they have tom brady they're gonna win mm-hmm. like it takes a while for for that to to wear off yeah, I mean, like, it really, like, the only other team that I can think of that, like, you know, knocked off last year's goodwill is probably, like, the Rams. Yeah, the Rams. I mean, the Packers certainly went through it, you know, when they lost, was it five in a row to, like, Detroit and the Jets and the Commanders? Like, we, I really had to do some soul-searching on that one, but sure. I, I don't think the Ram, or the Packers never really reached that same level of dominance uh, that we saw from, from teams like Tampa and the Rams. Let's get to our parlays and teasers of the week, John. I'll let you lead it off. Uh, last week's parlays, as we said, that they were thwarted. They were good bets. All of our bets are good. Um, yes. you know, the teams just played badly, and that's why we lost. Uh, but but give me your parlay of the week. Okay, so I'm calling this one the afternoon delight parlay because okay. this this one is all the, the late afternoon slate, all three games contained in that window. So buckle up, folks. Uh, give me the Bengals. Give me the 49ers. Give me the Seahawks that pays out uh, 3.19 to 1, plus 319 odds. Okay, we're just talking money line there. So Bengals got to win straight up at home. 49ers have to win straight up at home. And the Seattle Seahawks have to win on the road at the Rams. I love the Seahawks leg of this. Um, I'm I'm not as confident as I'd like to be in the 49ers, but uh, you you know what I'm going to say here. Bengals is your biggest liability. It it absolutely is. Uh, I feel so queasy going against Mahomes like this, but uh, if I have to do it, mm-hmm. the giant slayer himself, Joe Burrow, is is not a bad guy to be riding with. I'm going with the Ravens money line, so they just have to beat the Broncos. I'm going with the Packers money line. I think Aaron Rodgers moves to 25 and five in his career against the Chicago Bears, and I'm with you on the Seahawks. I'm taking that Seahawks money line. Not getting as much juice here. I'm only at plus 155. Uh, on my three, not taking quite as many chances here, but uh, I had to dial things back. You know, we we were we were like plus fifteen hundred these last couple of weeks, maybe biting yeah. off a little bit more. I see those numbers uh, get and I get excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going Ravens, Packers, Seahawks. You're going Bengals, 49ers, and Seahawks again. Those are money line parlays. Uh, let's go to the dog parlay of the week. Okay, so here I just got a twofer here, um, and okay. I, I got Raiders. And Falcons. So okay, the Raiders were underdogs when I put this down. That would have paid out uh, plus two seventy three. 
but obviously things have shifted a little bit. But I think we're we're seeing as far as the money line odds for the Raiders, it is minus one ten. So it's like not not that far off mm-hmm. from things. So I, I will continue with that, even if uh, by definition I'm I'm screwing up this segment. Okay, I like it. Those 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 both feel like coin flip games to me. Uh, last week's underdog parlay, by the way, the Titans thwarted it. We hit on both the Panthers and the Steelers, and we were a Titans win away. Uh, against Cincinnati from from cashing that one, going back to the well with the Titans, they, they're they're going to get their first big true win of the season. They're going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I'm going to involve the Detroit Lions in this one. Uh, at the time that I made this parlay, they were underdogs. They are no longer underdogs, so we, we might have to throw a flag on this one. Uh, but and I'm taking the Dolphins. I'm taking the Miami Dolphins. I think they get the running game going. Um, you know, anytime they have the ball, uh, that they are going to be looking. Uh, to, to rip off big plays. And I, I, I'm curious to see whether that 49ers defense can hold up. That gets you to around plus 1300. So some serious cash here. Um, yeah, to be honest, don't feel great about any of those. I think I feel the best about the Lions beating the Jags. Uh, we, we've had the Jags in this position before where it feels like they're a little overvalued. Um, and I'm not falling for it this time. No, sir. No, we're, we're, st- we're sticking to it here. Um, and yeah, potential letdown spot. Um, this will run counter to um, my. How do I say this? Uh, I think the Dolphins are, are the liability. At, you know, based okay. on what what I was saying uh, earlier about the Niners. So I, I again very excited for that game, but I'm I'm Team Niners on that one. Okay, that was very. Uh, you put that very respectfully, uh, basically saying that your pick is terrible. But hey, we're, we're going head to head on that one. All right, teaser of the week. We're, we're two for two on our teasers thus far. Uh, looking to keep the streak going. We got a seven point teaser. This week, um, and I, I need to invoke uh, a stat here, John, that that helped inform me uh, on this week's teaser. So, as as you can hear, I'm I'm killing time as I bring up said stat, which I did link uh, in beating the book. Make sure you read that on rotowire.com. So here's a stat: you would be 22 and 0 this season if you teased every Broncos and Rams opponent by six points. 22. That's and 0. Uh, significant. So, who are the Broncos playing this week? The Broncos are in Baltimore at the Big Crab Cake. So we are going to tease the Ravens down to one and a half. They just have to win that game by two. And can you remind me, who are the Rams playing this week? Uh, the Rams have the Seahawks. They do. So we're going to tease that one down to even. Seattle just has to win that game. Doesn't matter what the result is. They just have to win. Uh, and look, to, to make this a little more interesting, we're throwing in the Browns and the Texans total. We're teasing the total up to 53 and a half, and we're going under. On that, I I don't I don't see how that loses, John. I don't either. That's free money that you just printed for for all of our wonderful listeners and viewers. Thank you, thank you for saying that. Uh, I needed that, you know, after we we really uh, butted heads on that Dolphins uh, 49ers game, but got real contentious. Yeah, I mean, it, look, the numbers say Ravens, Seahawks. All you got to do this year is play the Broncos and play the Rams, and you got to tease that by at least six, and you're going to come away a winner. Broncos Texans, you know, we, we talked about that game, or Browns Texans, excuse me. Either way, I don't see it being high scoring, right? Like, one, you definitely don't trust the Texans to pull their weight here. And I mm-hmm. also don't see this being like a, you know, 41 to 17 type of win for the Browns. Like, I, you know, they, they could win in a romp, but I, I don't see them piling up a ton of points. No, that, that's going to be low scoring. Um, that Again, we, we alluded to the, the rustiness of, of this. Uh, Cleveland offense and yeah, Houston, there's just no way that they're scratching over 21 points. All right. So that was the teaser. 
of the week. Uh, again, if you, if you want to get in on the teaser action, if you want to tail us, if you want to go against us on any of these teasers or parlays, make sure you're doing that over at BetMGM, BetMGM.com, the BetMGM app. And you absolutely, positively have to use our promo code BETROTO, B-E-T-R-O-T-O, to make that first wager risk-free. All right, John, we got one thing left. It's time to lock up our picks of the week for NFL Week 13. Uh, I will be revealing my pick momentarily, but I'll let you lead us off. Who are you locking up this week? You know what? It's the game of the week. I want to have a little bit of extra interest in it. So I'm looking at that Niners-Dolphins game. And as I said earlier, I'm confident that the Niners are able to cover that number. I think that it sounded like the action was pretty heavy on the Dolphins side of things earlier this week. I don't think that this one is is that lopsided at this number. So as it stands, uh, give me the Niners. Uh, I believe that at uh, BetMGM, they are minus four. I'm comfortable with that. I know that's a key number, but I will take the Niners making a little bit of a statement win here at home against the Dolphins. All right. Once again, you are dead to me. Uh, nonetheless, I respect your pick. <laughs> I'm deciding between two right now, John. I like the Vikings minus three at home. I'm not sure I'm ready to trust Mike White, but you know what? I'm going back to the Seattle Seahawks. They burned me last week. Let's see if they could burn me again. Locking up Seattle minus seven at the Rams. This has nothing to do with Seattle. This is just betting against the LA Rams who are a shell of their former self. They're down their top two receivers. They're down their starting quarterback. They're down maybe the best player in the NFL in Aaron Donald. I don't even think Seattle has to play that well and they probably win this game by more than a touchdown. Don't love the number at seven. Nonetheless, locking it up. Seattle minus seven. You're locking 49ers minus three and a half. Like we said, make sure you use that promo code BETROTO, B-E-T-R-O-T-O, over at BetMGM.com or on the BetMGM app. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.